The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, addicts? This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Verderam. Matt, the Kansas City Chiefs are, for goodness sake, they're 13-1, and 14-1? 14-1. 14-1. Unbelievable. They won so many games, I lost count. Um, we're going to get into the game in, in, in just a moment and, and kind of talk about, you know, it was a frustrating game for a lot of reasons, I think, for Chiefs fans. But let's uh, let's take a moment to to first focus on some of the good things that happened. Obviously, the Chiefs won. But I want to take a, just a second. Can we just talk about what happened to the Oakland? I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Never going to get it right. The Las Vegas Raiders last night, because I got to tell you, Matt, more than anything that happened this week, that gave me so much joy. If you guys aren't familiar, the Raiders were going to win their game against the Miami Dolphins, and they kicked off with like 22 seconds left, and they were up by uh, two points. And then they they just they gave up a bomb, blew a coverage, and got a face mask on the same play, basically. Twisted Ryan Fitzpatrick's helmet around so that he couldn't see. He still completed the pass. And then the Raiders lost on a last-minute field goal. Verder, what were you thinking just watching that? Just laughing. Uh, <laughs> you know, listen, i got to be fair. Gruden made the right decision, I think, by running down the, the clock. And ca- I, here's an idea. Don't blow a coverage and take a face mask penalty. Like Now, now that said, I also am a believer in if they're going to let you score on third down and go up a touchdown with a minute left, like you should also be able to win that way, but they're not well coached. Like, and and again, I don't blame Gruden for the decision that he made, but overall they're not a well coached team. They've had a million first round picks in recent years. How many of those guys have they really hit on? Like Jacobs is a really good back. He's running back. Like how, how many guys have they hit on Damon Arnett Eh, Jonathan Abram hit and miss literally 
Uh, Cleveland Farrell stinks. I, I mean, you go down the line, Henry Ruggs, like, we'll see. I'm not going to make a huge declaration on that kid after one year. They could have drafted Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk or Jerry Judy. Like, they took Henry Ruggs. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But they're nowhere near the Chiefs, who at 14-1 are now clinched into the first overall seed in the AFC. Now, we're going to get into the game a little bit more in detail, but I wanted to just start us off with a question. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Matt. So the Chiefs have won 10 straight. They've won one game. They've lost one game since November 2019. They've clinched the number one seed in the AFC. They've won more games in a season than they ever have, not counting the playoffs. Right. So why is everybody so mad? I think the feel the feeling that it's harder than it should be that they're not winning games in a way that is, is convincing and that this is going to come to bite them in the ass in January. And I have not felt that way most of the year. I did feel that way today. At some point, they are going to play a team that is just going to beat them if they don't play better. And I, and I look, today was a weird day. The offense is usually never a problem. It was today. I would argue that Mahomes was downright awful in this game. It was awful. Not only by his standards, but by like most NFL quarterback standards. It was terrible. Um, I think that's the fear. And I think people are looking at him going, this team should repeat. And it should. This is the kind of team that if they don't win the Super Bowl, whatever loss they have in January or February, should it come, we will all as a collective always look back and say, I can't believe they lost that game. Because this team should not lose. They should not lose. And maybe they won't, by the way. Like I, I also believe they have won 10 straight and they keep winning. And that also has to be said. Um, and I could see them going in the playoffs and just steamrolling three teams. I mean, that also is completely on the table. But I think that's why. I think there's that fear, that paranoia, that one Super Bowl win, as great as it is, cannot erase. It's been built up in Chief fans for 50 years. That is just, they're going to blow it. Now, I, I don't feel that way. Like their history doesn't bother me at all because their most recent history is I'm holding up the Lombardi. But I, I do look at this game. Look, we talked about it on the last podcast. We expected the Chiefs to blow out Atlanta. And this game, let's be real. They should have lost. I mean, if Mahomes doesn't get a drop pick in the end zone, you know, and then another pick that Watkins a nice job breaking up. I mean, he throws three picks in this game. He should have thrown three picks. And they got lucky. At the end of the game, a, a Pro Bowl kicker misses a 39-yard field goal. And hey, it happens. But that, that to me, is the kind of game they should have won that game going away. That's a bad football team. They didn't have Julio Jones. And the Chiefs just slept walk through the entire game offensively. It's just, I think that's why people are upset. It was, uh, it was definitely a bad game on, on offense. And we'll talk a little bit later about whether or not we think it was Mahomes' worst game as a chief um, for a guy who does really just doesn't have bad games. Yep. Uh, but, you know, on the other side, and, and I'm still looking at this from the 50,000-foot view, though, I mean, the defense was tremendous. I mean, they really were. They gave a couple a couple plays here and there, but when everybody thinks about the Chiefs, they think, oh, you know, man, as long as their defense can hold the other team to 22 points, 21 points, Chiefs are going to win every time. And... I've been mostly worried about the defense this year because I just I with the offenses I know what the offense can do and I'm not I guess I'm not worried 
about the offense when when they need to get it done they get it done so i just i think it's really interesting because the the, the defense maybe was as good as they were in any game all season in this one with the, with the exception of a couple of plays the pass rush was fantastic they were blanketing the receivers and the the falcons are a passing team that's where they get you and they weren't able to get it done against this chiefs defense and i think we should we should focus as, at least as much on how great the defense played in this game as we will on how poorly the offense played. I think that's all fair. And I do think defensively, listen, we'd be remiss if we don't point out a few things because we've been talking about it a lot on the pod. The Chiefs sacked Matt Ryan four times. They hit him 12 times. That's a really, really good day. I know they were missing a couple of interior linemen. I don't care. That's a really good day. We have been all over, me in particular, Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Well, Frank Clark and Chris Jones had seven quarterback hits and two sacks. Yeah. They, they played really, really well. And if they're going to do that every week going forward, the Chiefs are in really good shape. Okay? Because I, I will say this. I just want to be clear. I'm not worried about their offense. I'm not. I don't care if they had a bad game. I don't care. To, to me, I'll, spoiler alert, it was, in my opinion, Mahomes' worst game as a Chief. But I don't care because I'm not worried that that's going to be some trend. They just didn't play well. It happens. Um, I'm not worried at all about their offense. And I do think if you want to take the long view, and you should, them giving up 14 points, even you want to throw in a missed field goal, but okay, fine, it happens. They played very well. Really, they would have had a great game defensively if, and, and I don't mean to knock the guy, but if Daniel Sorensen makes a couple tackles he should have made, you know, that, those are a couple of huge plays, especially the one with Calvin Ridley early in the game's 50-yarder. I mean, Sorensen just completely whiffs. If he doesn't whiff, oh, it's made a 12-yard catch, so what? Um, there's a lot of good to take out of it. They had a very good pass rush. They were good again against the run, even without their linebackers. 90 yards rushing against, 3.9 yards in attempt. They were very, very effective. Um, and the corners were great. Legarius Sneed is becoming a legitimate star on the outside. I mean, teams just cannot throw at him. I thought Breland was fine. Ward scares me a little bit at times. But I thought overall, look, Defensively, they were very good. I know they gave up 300 yards passing, and it was on you know 8.6 yards in attempt or whatever. But if you watch the game, I think it felt different than that. I, I think the Chiefs played very well defensively, and you're right. You should be happy about that. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into the game, just want to thank you all for your support of this podcast. Obviously, we are everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts in particular, is a great place where you can leave us reviews and you can leave us questions that we will answer on this podcast. I want to jump to one uh, that we got this week just because I really appreciate it. Uh, AA, Peanut Butter, and Ben Neiman is the headline of this review. Uh, this one came from, yeah, two, two out of three ain't bad. Um, the, no. This one came from USAF Chief Fan on December 20th. Longtime AA reader here, going back to the days of Patrick's Pot of Gold, that's my former uh, feature column on Arrowhead Addict, and Big Matt's articles, that's not Matt Verderam, that's a, a yeah. staff writer we used to have back in back in my day, in the old days, Big Matt, uh, he, he uh, used to run a little blog called Big Matt's Chiefs Chat, came and joined Arrowhead Addict, very funny writer. Uh, Big Matt's articles, uh, it was like the A-team of Arrowhead Addict while the Chiefs were a dumpster fire. AA has always been able to bring humor, uh, to those dark days. Have you ever grilled, and we got a question, have you ever grilled a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like grilled cheese? It's a must-have for any peanut butter lover. What do you think of this, Verdam? You ever tried that? I haven't, but I'm on board with trying it. Uh, I've yeah. never done that. 
but it yeah. sounds it sounds like it could be good because then the peanut butter's hot. So I'm I'm on board with that part of it. Yeah, we're we're moving right now, so all my pots and pans are in a box. But once I get settled after the new year, I'm gonna have to give that one a go. Uh, the the review continues. Love the Matt analogies. I think the Chiefs will roundhouse kick them. Laughing emoji. Uh, finally watching. Finally watching Ben Neiman play hurts worse than eating a pizza with pineapple or corn on it. Any chance of a Big Matt cameo on your AA podcast? Uh, I don't know. You know, Big Matt. He he's doing really well. He he was uh, he he was working in a dog walking business in Brooklyn, and he bought in on that business and owns it now. And um, yeah, he's doing fantastic. I, I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but I'll have to reach out and maybe we can get him on here to talk about some of his uh, his his favorite Chiefs topics of yesteryear. All right, Verderam, we're going to take our first break, then we're going to dive into this game, break it down a little bit for everybody, and then we'll take a look at the AFC playoff race. All right, we are back. All right, let's get into this game. So as we mentioned at the top, super uneven game for the Chiefs. Kansas City wins 17-14. to They did not cover. It was a 10.5-point spread, and if you took the under against my advice, uh, you would have won because the over-under was 54 in this one. Okay, so let's start with the offense. They've been out of sync for a number of weeks now. haven't put together a complete game in a while. Why Why do you think everything was so out of sync, Verderam? Like, what do you make of Mahomes' day? I don't even know that I feel, by the way, that they've been out of sync over the course of the last few weeks. I mean, I think, you know, against the Saints, the Saints have a really good pass rush. I mean, that, that's just... It's going to happen, especially with the tackles being injured or anything else. But the Saints' defense is really good, and the Chiefs scored 32 points, and they had, oh, I don't know, I think 500 yards. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 411. Against Miami, they had all those turnovers. Uh, but again, you know, 30 po- 33 points. And I-, I just, the Chiefs go in these stops and starts. They do. And, you know, today you saw that again, although a lot fewer starts and a lot more stops. Uh, this time around, it's just, I think today, you know, the Falcons did something that most teams don't normally do. They blitzed and they did it effectively. They were able to cover on the back end, which is shocking considering they can't cover anybody. Haven't, haven't covered anyone all year long, but they did well against Kansas city. Um, I know this sounds nuts. I don't think it hurt the fact that they, for the Falcons that they had Bob Sutton because Bob Sutton knows the chiefs really, really, really intimately. Um, that's not sad. I think Bob Sutton's a good coordinator. He's not, but he's not calling the defense. Raheem Morris is, but he had all the inside information. Um, just how much of that factor, and I don't know. But I gotta be. I'm just gonna be honest. I thought Mahomes sucked. He did. I, I mean, I'm not gonna pull any punches. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world, and if I had an MVP vote, I'd vote for him. Okay, he was awful today. Awful. He threw a, a horrific pick in the end zone. The worst interception he's thrown in his career, in my opinion, in Kansas City. He threw another ball to Terrell in the corner of the end zone. The two-minute drill should have been picked, should have ended the game. He threw another ball that should have easily been picked off on an underneath route to Watkins, and Watkins did a nice job of breaking up. He was terrible. He missed some open throws. There was some miscommunication. I'm not saying all the miscommunication on him, but some of it I'm sure you know. usually that blames to go around. They, I thought, blocked well up front most of the game. He had no, there were no sacks. I thought a lot of the pressure was when he was sitting back behind the line of scrimmage for three, four, five seconds. And I will also say this, and I'm not a big get-on-the-play-calling guy because 
I do not know anything about football compared to Andy Reid. And I don't want to sit there and start being the guy who second guesses every play call. I will say this, though, because it has been a little bit of a pattern recently, and it personally drives me nuts. This was a game where the Chiefs were struggling to throw the ball. It was obvious. Throughout most of the game, they could not get going offensively in the air. And yet, they just kept chucking it. I mean, Mahomes threw the ball 44 times. He dropped back 47 times. Watkins had a throwing attempt that was picked off. Just ridiculous. That was one of the dumbest plays. I, they're running the ball in this game for 5.6 yards of carry, and they pulled out Rose Bowl right parade that had a lateral to Watkins and then a throwback to Mahomes on the backside. Here's an idea. Just run for a foot. Like, I, you're killing them. They were running the ball down Atlanta's throat. They were never trailing by more than four points, or actually by more than seven points. And for most of the game, they were tied or leading. They only ran the ball designed 18 times. Like, why? I, I don't, and Andy does this sometimes. They get into these things where it's like they just refuse. And I thought the same, they did the same thing last week. They ran the ball well, and Mahomes is getting killed when he's dropping back, and they just kept chucking it. They just wouldn't stop. I, at some point, just hand it off. You're running for six yards a clip. But just give them the ball. Make Atlanta come out of their defense. Who cares? I, I don't understand why they're so beholden to that. And I think it hurts them at times. I really do. Yeah, it was a strange day. I felt like there were a, there were a lot of passes. I mean, Mahomes was inaccurate, obviously, in the interceptions and the would-be interceptions. But at the same time, do you ever feel like sometimes he's – and this is – look, I don't want to criticize the man too much because this is what also makes him great. But sometimes he holds the ball a little too long, I feel, when he should have gotten rid of it. It just, like, dumped it off because like, there's guys open. And then I think what we saw a lot in this game was that he's always looking downfield. He's looking for that big play. He's looking for that big chunk play. Teams are trying to take that away. And then the pass rush is starting to get home finally. And then by the time he's using his outlet guy or his, his quick read – it, things are just a little out of whack. He can't get a good throw off. And I feel like we saw that a bunch of times today where he tried to dump it off and guys were out of position because they were starting to scramble around for him or it was just inaccurate because he was just about to get hit. Do you feel like he's he's trying too, too hard to make big plays all the time when he should just take what the defense gives him? Occasionally, I, I don't want to take that part of his game out of there, and I know you don't either, but I, I where his greatest strength is when everything breaks down, he is just an absolute nightmare to deal with because he's, he's so lethal and he can throw the ball to any part of the field. But I'll give you a play, and I don't know if people even remember this play. I think it was in the third quarter. It was first and 10, and he rolled right, had all day. There was nobody near him. And he could have ran for probably 7 to 10 yards, or he could have thrown the ball to Darrell Williams, who was his check down receiver, who was wide open for like nine yards. And he made a decision that was fine. He threw the ball. But he threw the ball like very much behind Williams. And Williams dropped it. And you could argue he should have caught it, but it was a bad throw. It was a bad throw. Maybe Kelsey or Hill catches it, but like for a running back and for Darrell Williams, it's not the easiest play in the world. And they end up going incomplete and complete and they punt. I thought that play was emblematic of today's game. Like, it was just little stuff like that. Where, like, Williams is wide open. Just hit him with it. Like, just dump it off to him. And I think in Mahomes' head, he got caught between, I'm going to run, and I'm going to throw it. And then he got near the line, and he just said, oh, I'm going to throw it. And he, he just he missed the pass. 
It's a throw that if Patrick Mahomes is focused, he makes a hundred times out of a hundred. And I, I just thought there were times in the game, you know, there was a, oh, on the sequence where he had the, the interception at the goal line, you know, the ball he throws to Kelsey in the end zone on first down. It's like over his head. Now Kelsey was pointing at himself, like it's my bad, and I maybe it is. I have no idea. There's clearly a miscommunication. I think Mahomes thought he was going to go up the field. Kelsey kind of checked it up, and that happens. But it happened a lot in this game where the Chiefs were just all over the place. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case, but it's just a theory. And I, I don't even know that I, I subscribe to it because I don't think I do. But, you know, did the Chiefs just look at the Falcons and think they were going to plow them? I mean, that's just another part. Like, did the Chiefs just look at them and go, who cares? We're 4 and 10, we're going to kill them. I hope not. But, you know, it, offensively, it kind of looked like they just were not prepared for anything that Atlanta did. They looked very caught off guard. And I have not watched every game of Atlanta tape. Maybe there are some things Atlanta did that they just never showed before. But it was it was a, a poor performance. Uh, I'm not worried about it in terms of their offense going forward. I'm sure the next time they play, they'll score 30-some-odd points. It's who they are. But, yeah, look, it was a bad. But you know what? On the flip side, to flip it quickly, the bright side is they scored 17 points against what is a decent offense for Atlanta, and they won because the defense played really well. I mean, you know, look, I thought I think the defense has played much better the last couple of weeks here. They played well against Denver, 16 points. They I, I against the Buccaneers a week prior to the Denver game. I know they gave up 24, but 24 to that offense is not bad. And they only gave up 10 through the first three quarters. Uh, then they played Miami. They gave up 10 points through the first three quarters. Against the Saints, they they were never threatened seriously in the second half of that game. Uh, and then today they gave up 14. Like, if their defense plays like that, they got a pretty damn good shot. But I do worry about them because they just they have not covered a spread in seven weeks. And it feels like you're just white-knuckling it like the whole game with them when really they just should not be. They're too talented for this crap. They should be blowing some of these teams out. How much do you put, and I don't really see anybody talking about this on Twitter, which I think is strange. How much of this is the fact that they don't have their offensive line? I mean... They've got backups in almost all of their starting spots on the offensive line. How much do you think is this team's taken to the tape, seeing that they can get pressure up the middle, seeing that they can get pressure on the Chiefs, and taking advantage of the fact that they don't have you know their Hall of Fame right tackle out there? I mean, they've been without sports for almost three months. They got everybody else. Like, get the job done. I, I don't. I don't. To me. I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Maybe earlier I did. You know, when they, when they were kind of switching everybody around and trying to find different pieces. And I am. I am going to take a totally different take than a lot of Chief fans do. I do not think their line is the problem. They are running the ball well. Mahomes didn't even get sacked today, and a lot of the sacks that he has. Now the Saints game was different. They were without Remmers, and Fisher clearly was not 100. percent That game was a crap show. But outside of that game, show me the game where they've been awful. The last, like, I, I, everybody keeps talking about how, like, well, they know they're so terrible up front. I, I don't feel that way, and I don't know if they're getting Schwartz back or not. The Chiefs have been very quiet on that front. All you really know is it's a back injury, and they're taking it day by day. And I, and I know that infuriates fans, but that really, genuinely, is what's going on, as far as I can report. I, they, they don't know. So, they, could they use him? Yeah, they could definitely use him. But I think right now it's more on. They have just not been in sync. The Watkins injury to the calf worries me because they're going to need him in the playoffs. 
he disappears at times, but I'll tell you what, he matters in the playoffs because teams are going to double Hill. They're going to try to double Kelsey. They need him. So, you know, that, that does concern me. Now, it's a calf strain. It's not the end of the world. He's got three weeks, basically, to get right. But still, you don't feel great about it. Um, but I don't worry about the O-line. I don't. I really don't. I don't think their O-line's bad. I, I think it's not great, but I don't think it's killing him. I thought what killed him today was Mahomes. Mahomes just did not play well. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. And I thought Andy just gets too reliant or got too reliant and, and can get too reliant on throwing the ball. When you're running the ball for six yards to pop, I got news. You should run the ball. That's what you should do. And when they have to come up, and when they've got to bring a strong safety in the box, and then they've got to play one deep, you hit them over the top big. But no team has to ever do that because they don't ever run. So it turns into this thing where, like, he's throwing into, in, into seven-man coverages, and teams are just waiting. And the other part of this is, it, I'll tell you, they're not doing the O-line any favors when they do this. Because these defensive linemen are just teeing off. They have no reason to play the run. He's got to be willing to run the ball. Not a ton. I'm not saying run it 40 times, but my God. Can you run it 25 times in a game? Can you run it 25 to 30 times? I don't think that's asking too much. When, you, when you're doing it and you're doing it well. Yeah, Chiefs only ran 21 times in this game. Three of those were Patrick Mahomes scrambles. So 10 carries for Daryl Williams, yeah. seven for Le'Veon Bell, and a, and a nice uh, 20 yard carry by McCole Hardman. So they had 117 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Also, can we can we talk about these Chiefs returners trying to lose the game? McCole Hardman not fair catching that one ball and getting absolutely lit up. That's another thing that I feel like when when these games are close like this, they got to be careful with the special team stuff. I mean, we've talked about that yeah. before as well. I, I don't know why. Like, McCole Hardman, I don't know if it's like a, a thing like it, he wants to show he's willing to take a hit or like he just thinks he can get out of it. I, I don't know what his deal is. If I was Dave Tobe, I'd tell him the next time he does that, he's he's not going out for the next punt return because that's coming. He's going to do that one of these days, and he is going to get beamed, and he's going to fumble. And I don't know what the upside is. Like you're not going anywhere. What are you doing? Just take a fair catch. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that, I'll be honest, and maybe you can tell from the tone of my voice in this podcast, it irritates me to no end. Like, how dumb is that play? There is literally no upside. Wave your hand, catch the ball, give the offense the ball. And there were two or three times that he got, like, popped immediately. And it happens a lot. So, I've... I've seen enough of him doing that, but they seem to continue to do it. I will say on the flip side, on a positive note, I think Butker is has really since the bye week. I don't think he's missed a kick. He's been he's been fantastic. And he nailed yeah. two critical extra points today and a bomb of a kick, a fifty three yarder that I think would have been good from about sixty five. So the special teams all in all was good, but I worry about that stuff with Hardman. I agree. Every time he does that, I wince because you one day it's gonna happen. Let's face it. The ball's gonna hit him. And he's not going to get it perfectly clean. And some guy is going to just drill him and it's going to be a fumble. And you can't afford that in the playoffs. No, they certainly can't. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about Bucker because I feel like I'm going to jinx something just even bringing up the fact that he's been doing well after the early season woes. Let's talk about some of the positives here. Uh, I want to talk about Travis Kelsey, but I just want to give a quick hat tip to Tyreek Hill on chasing that uh, interception down and causing a fumble, yes. almost getting the team the ball back, probably saved a touchdown. And I look, and I, I'm not going to like rag on Travis Kelsey too much here, 
But if you watch the replay of that, when that that ball gets intercepted, it's about four or five yards in front of Kelsey. And Kelsey does not. He, you see him stand up like, oh, somebody else is going to make this tackle. And Tyreek Hill goes down and chases him down. I was not happy with Kelsey's uh, body language right there. He needed to be running to make that tackle. Um, but, but but let's talk about the positive here. The man's just absolutely incredible. His his amazing season continues, and this may have been the last regular season game for Kelsey. He's the now the first tight end to have two seasons with 100 receptions. He set the single season record for tight end receiving yards with 1,416 passing George Kittle's record. If, if you don't remember a couple seasons back, Kelsey set the record on the last day of the season. And then a couple hours later, uh, Kittle passed him. Um, so Travis has, has defeated Kittle in this. Um, and he's done so in uh, with one fewer game, which is just absolutely incredible and speaks to the season that he's having. And, and, and I want to say hats off to George Kittle. He congratulated Kelsey on Twitter. Chiefs fans get a little bit, um, you know, defensive, when you know it's like we've got the best player, it's something God forbid anybody, yeah, just God forbid anybody say anything bad about Mahomes or or they or they, they think Kittle's good and the Chiefs fans come for you. Travis Kelsey's the best, and I look that's what I love about this fandom, right? Like we all got a chip on our shoulder. The Chiefs are the best. That's all we want to hear about when we have the best player at a position. I I was I've watched the 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 Super Bowl, you know, mic'd up. I really like George Kittle. He's hilarious. He's a great player. Um, you know, uh, but Travis Kelsey's better. Um, you know, but I, Chiefs Kingdom, I plead to you, give give George Kittle his due. It's okay. We all know that Travis Kelsey's the, the better tight end, but George Kittle's a good guy. He's a great player. Um, cut the man some slack. But what do you think about Kelsey's season, Verdray? Oh, I, I think it's historic. Uh, I mean, I, I was looking at the box score after the game, and I was like, he had 98 yards receiving. Like, it, it didn't feel like that. I mean, I thought he had an okay game, but I was blown away. He might lead the NFL in receiving yardage. I mean, it's it's incredible. Now he probably won't because they're probably going to sit in Week 17. But he did get the record for all time receiving yardage in a single year for a tight end, over 1,400. He had another touchdown today. He's incredible. He is going to be arguably the greatest tight end of all time when he ends his career, in my opinion. I mean, he is every bit worthy of that conversation. So. You, you got to just say he he is deserving of every accolade thrown his way. I don't think he's going to win a big award. I mean, he'll be a first-team All-Pro for sure, but I don't think he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Probably goes to Henry. MVP will be Mahomes or, or Rodgers. Um, but he's been incredible. And to your point, because you mentioned this, and I wanted to mention this, forgot to. Tyreek Hill, to me, that was a singular most impressive play, your single most impressive play, I've seen from any Chiefs player this year. That is a play where Tyreek Hill very easily could have just stood there or jogged toward the guy because it looked like he was going to get tackled a few different times. And the Falcons ended up with a convoy in front of him. And if Tyreek Hill doesn't make that play, I, I'm sure that's an 100-yard return for a touchdown. And Tyreek Hill never stopped hustling and ran the guy down and punched the ball out, and they almost got the ball back. They almost got it. I think it was Robinson, to his credit, who was also hustling, almost fell on the fumble. Yeah. He only, no, no fault to his own. He just couldn't get there in time. But a great effort by him. That, to me, was very reassuring. Because that says to me, like they, even though they're uh, this Ferrari of a football team, they can still get down and dirty. They still care. And I know that, that sounds like, well, they 
They should care. Well, guys don't. A lot of guys don't. They would have just sat there and watched them run 100 yards the other direction. Tyreek Hill busted his ass and knocked that ball away. I give him a lot of credit. And you know what? It probably saved the game. Because the yeah. next couple of plays, they get a couple sacks. They force a punt. If they go in and score there, they probably would have won that game the way everything played out. But he makes a great play. Good on him. It really was. And if that ball bounces left instead of right, Robinson does get the ball, and it doesn't go yep. out of bounds. And, and Tyreek Hill was – what I loved about it, not only did he punch the ball out, he made sure to continue with the tackle and pull the guy down so that he was out of, taking him out of the play. And he was fired up. I mean, if you saw the shots of him on the sideline. He was pissed. He was pissed they didn't get that ball back. I think he was pissed about the interception. He was frustrated about the way the game was going. And I'm sure he wasn't the only one on this team. So I know we're all, <laughs> you know, we're all annoyed. We're all fired up because the Chiefs, the Chiefs annoy us while they win all of their games this season. <laughs> um, and they make it annoying for us to watch, apparently. But, you know, I, I just really liked his attitude on that play. I'm right there with you. Fantastic effort from him. Okay, we're going to take our last break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about that great defensive performance. We'll give out some arrowheads, and we'll break down the AFC playoff race. Okay, we are back. All right, Verderam, let's talk about the defense. So they played fantastic, in my opinion. We've already touched on it. Uh, Four sacks, five tackles for a loss, 12 quarterback hits, and the two guys, well, there are four guys I want to talk about. Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones, we could put them in as a duo, right? They were yep. they were terrific. The Chiefs don't win this game if those guys don't show up. I want to talk about uh, Willie Sneed, who <laughs> is just absolutely incredible. You can't throw at him. And, oh, by the way, he had two quarterback hits and another sack. I'm pretty sure you combined two players. Willie Sneed, are we talking about LeJarrius Sneed? LeJarrius Sneed. Sorry, yeah, I didn't know Willie Gay. I want to talk about LeJarrius Sneed. Okay, LeJarrius Sneed. <laughs> Got it. You know what? You know what? When I feel like when 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 he's getting those sacks, he is Willie Sneed. Uh, he's got a little Willie Gay. He's got a little linebacker in him. He's a dog. Um, and then and then of course I wanted to get your thoughts on on Willie Gay. Uh, let's let's start with the pass rushers, Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, I feel like the defense. St- I feel like the pass rush started to run out of gas a little bit towards the end of the game. I don't blame them. But how, how did you feel about the way they came out? It seemed like they had something to prove in this game. I thought. Their pass rush today was the best their pass rush has been all year. I really did. Maybe I'm forgetting a game. They hit Ryan 12 times. Jones hit Ryan on one play where he threw the ball straight up in the air. It somehow completed for a first down. It was third and four. I mean, that easily could have been a pick and a touchdown. And pro- in most plays, probably would have been picked off. Uh, just sheer luck. I thought Jones was fantastic. He was in the backfield all game long. They doubled him at times. It didn't matter. And you know what? Clark almost won the game late on a, on a hit of Ryan that ended up correctly yeah. being ruled an incomplete pass, but boy, he crushed him. They yeah. were inches away from not even having to get a missed kick. I thought they played a great, great game. I, I was very impressed. Sneed, nice job blitzing. If memory serves, I think he hit him another time. I, I could be wrong on that, but I, th- I thought he hit he him. He had two, two quarterback hits for Sneed. He did. He came really close yeah. to sacking him a second time. I, yeah. I was very impressed. And a lot of, like, they brought some blitzes like Sneed. But a lot of that was just them getting home. A lot of that was just beating the guy in front of them. That's what they need. Let's face it. They need Clark and they need Jones. And Okafor is a nice bonus there. He got it. He got a sack as well. He played a good game. I was impressed. Um, I was very, very impressed with their pass rusher. They can continue to do that. 
that's a huge, huge step in the right direction. So we talked about Snead. They're really lucky to have him back. I love the way that they're using him, that they're not just having him drop into coverage. I, he's just a real wild card. There's a little bit of the way they used to use Eric Berry. They blitz him a lot. And and you could do that with Matthew, by the way, as well. So I, I, th- I think it gives Spagnuolo just a lot to play with on the defensive side of the ball. And when you have Frank Clark and you have Chris Jones getting it done up front, that makes plays like that all the more deadly because they, they can't be worried about somebody coming off the edge if they're worried about these guys in the middle. And, and it showed in this game. Correct. Correct. And – Look, I, I would not be surprised if at some point in his career, Lajarius Need makes an all-pro team. Like, I really believe he's that good. That kid can play. He's long. He's fast. He's athletic. He can hit. He, he can blitz, apparently. He can play. He's really, really good. And I'll tell you what. Look, I get why the Chiefs don't play Willie Gay, and I've been told that the reason that early on, anyway, they didn't play him was that he was still learning the playbook. He's really raw. And you could see that today. There were some blown assignments all over the field, the linebacker. I mean, and, and listen, they're playing guys who are never even on the field. And, and so that's going to happen. And Gay was not immune to that. But he led the team in tackles with nine. He forced a fumble on a great hit that was set up, by the way, by LeJarry Sneed, who did a nice job of getting in the guy, getting engaged his way and holding him up, forcing the fumble uh, or forcing the attempt for the fumble. And then Gay just crushed him and knocked it out. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if, if Anthony Hitchens has to tell Willie Gay what to do before every single play. They need to have Willie Gay on the field, period. He is the most athletic linebacker on the field. It's not even close. He makes Ben, Nima, ben Neiman look like my grandmother trying to run. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's insane, the difference. And I, I'm sorry. I know they trust Ben Neiman. I know that's why they play him. Steve Spagnuolo told us all that at the Super Bowl last year. I don't care. I don't care. Then just tell Anthony Hitchens to tell Willie Gay where the hell he's got to go and what his assignment is. And you know what? He blows one or two assignments. I'll live with it. I don't care. Because the guy is an athletic force of nature, and he's the kind of guy in a playoff game, I could see him making a huge play to win them a game. I could see him making a big sack or an athletic pick. Or, or what he did today, I could see him coming downhill and putting a hat on a ball and forcing a fumble. No offense to Ben Neiman. None of that's happening with Ben Neiman. None of it. Like, I I know that he's steady in the sense that he doesn't make a, a huge mistake, even if sometimes he's just overmatched. But they need more at that position. They need more. And Gay is more. Even if he screws up occasionally, he's more. The, the play that really illustrated it for me was the play action where he came off the where he came off the right side of the line and he he played it perfectly. He paused, he waited to see where the ball went, they handed it off, and then he just dove behind the line, I think got a tackle for a loss. It was just incredible the way that he exploded after he had to pause to make sure that it, that Ryan wasn't going to roll out with the ball. That's it in a nutshell. That's Willie Gay. That that's something that I, I don't think Anthony Hitchens or Ben Neiman are able to make that tackle. If they if they have to pause there, they're going to be chasing the, the running back down. They don't get the tackle for a loss. I think you're absolutely right. He's fantastic uh, athletically, and just find a way to get him up to speed because you're going to be playing some guys in the playoffs. It'd be nice to have him on the field, especially. And I've been I've been hinting at this for a while, but like if the, if the Chiefs have to go up against um, you know a team like the Packers in the Super Bowl 
and they're dealing with Aaron Jones and some of those passes out of the backfield. I don't want Ben Neiman. I don't want Dan Sorensen trying to run those guys down. I'd like to have Willie Gay uh, in the mix. Yeah, big time. And I think it's got to be said. like they, they need more athleticism on the second level. I don't think anyone's missing that point. If they're watching the Chiefs, they need it. Uh, but listen. I, I understand if you're a coach, you want guys in there who are assignment sound, gap sound. I get all that. I do. And that's that. That's important, okay? That does really, really matter to your integrity of your defense. That being said, Anthony Hitchens knows everything about that defense inside and out. He can he can lean over and tell Willie Gay, hey, you got the tight end. Fine. Like, this is not crazy galaxy brain stuff here. I, I mean – you, you just can't keep trotting out Ben Neiman and watching him just get roasted by some some fullback for 30 yards on a wheel route. It can't happen. So I think you got to see more of him. I really do. And, I, you know, listen, he made a case for himself today. He, he made a few mistakes, but he played very well. And I, I think, you know, if they're going to watch that tape, they're going to sit there and say, you know what, he, he is doing things that other guys at that position are flat out not doing for us. You know what's kind of scary? And we're going to give out arrowheads here in just a second. And I think about this team, some of the young guys that they brought in in the last couple of years, and you look at LeJarrius Need and you look at Willie Gay and you think about the potential and all of the veterans that they have. Yep. How good is this team going to be next year? Another full draft class. And they're not going to lose a ton for agency. I mean, they might lose Watkins and Robinson. Uh, they'll get Damian Williams and Laurent Tufane Tardif back. They'll get they'll get uh, Lucas Niang back. They're they're right tackle who was a rookie this year who they're very high on. Um, yeah, no, they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty effing good. Um, I don't think that's really a question. I mean, all the big pieces are back defensively. Breland will probably be gone, but they got Snead. They got Snead and, and and Fenton and Ward, and they signed DeAndre Baker, who they're into. Uh, they, they into for you know not. So oh, listen, I think if you're uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, I mean, you're, you're you're in pretty good shape. You really are. But right now, let's face it, they're in a spot where the number that matters is three. They need three more wins, and they're back-to-back Super Bowl champions. And two of them are coming at Arrowhead. I mean, that, look, as you like to say, the 30,000 or the 50,000-foot view here, they got three games left on their schedule that they're going to give a damn about. And two of them are at home, and one's a neutral site game. And guess what? They're going to be favored in all of them. They like as much as we complain about them, and I've sat here for 45 minutes tonight and, and aired my issues with some of their stuff tonight. Um, they're the best team. If if they and that's I think why you know to, to go full circle and answer your question at the very beginning of the show, why are fans so annoyed? Because I think every but one of us realizes if they play their best game, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. And I think the fear is that they just play one of these C minus games and they fall apart. But if they don't do that, good night. There's nobody beating them. And I'll tell you, I will say this. I would not want to be the team that sees them in the divisional round. Off a of bye, healthy as can be, and Andy's had two weeks to self-scout and get ready and put a bunch of new plays in and wrinkles to tendencies. That team is going to have a rough game. I, I don't care who they play. I will be stunned if the offense is not good in that game. Yeah, and uh, if they end up finishing the season here, uh, fifteen and one or fourteen and two, <laughs> and 
our big complaint was that they just weren't up for all the games during the season and they weren't playing their best football. That should scare the crap out of everybody in the playoffs because they're they're going to be up for the playoffs. They're going to be up for another Super Bowl run. And so if they went if they if they only lost one game or in during the season and they weren't trying hard enough or they weren't focused enough, yeah. look out, right? All right, let's give away some arrowheads. I'll kick us off. I'm giving mine to Frank Clark. We've been we've been banging on him pretty hard on the podcast for 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 not living up to his contract. But I'll tell you what, he shows up in big moments for this team. He showed up last year in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. He showed up in this game to clinch the number one seed. I got to give it to him. Frank Clark gets my arrowhead. What about you, Verderan? I'll give you one. Tommy Townsend. Thought he was great. He had a, a, a three punts inside the 20, and if my memory serves, at least two of them inside the like eight-yard line, one of which hit it like the one foot line and bounced straight up. So Tommy Townsend gets one for me. Butker gets one real quick. Like I said earlier, three of three, hit a 53-yard field goal. Uh, and then I got to go Willie Gay. I got He played great. He was excellent. He was everywhere. Had a tackle for loss, forced fumble, nine tackles to lead the team. Um, all those guys, to me, earned, uh, earned their arrowheads. All right. So before we get out of here, rest the starters debate which I was in the middle of on Twitter. Um, I yes, think you were very much in the middle of it. <laughs> I was very, I was very, very uh, passionate. Um, I think I made my case. Are these people just saying that the Chiefs need to go out there and play a half out of their minds? I don't know if they're out of their minds, but you know what? Like, what are we talking about? I, the the people who are out of their minds, and all due respect to you, fine folks who are listening, who may be the people that I'm calling out of their minds, but the idea that like the offense somehow needs another quarter or two of football because they're not good enough, or like they they didn't show enough, guys, gals, it's okay, it's okay. Like as annoyed as I was, Mahomes didn't play well, whatever. I really am not like the idea that we should be worried about the offense to me is just bonkers. Like if they somehow don't play well in the playoffs, it's not going to be because of the way they played against Atlanta. It's not like I promise you that. So I would not play any of these guys for a snap. I don't care. I know there's this whole thing about, well, you know, if you, if you rest in week 17 and you know what, let's be real. The chiefs, are, are more than talented enough to take a couple weeks here and have light practices and be fine for a playoff game. It's not like they're going to fall apart and get out of play. You tweet this out, and it's, I, I've actually been saying this. I think it's kind of funny and spot on. Like, the Chiefs went from February 3rd to September 10th without, without playing a, a meaningful game and came out and just absolutely beat the doors off of Houston. I don't think that three weeks off, is going to suddenly just just completely discombobulate them. Look, you know what would? Tyree Kill blowing his knee out because he needed to get sharp in the quarter of the game against the Chargers. Like just, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to go crazy if they want to get these guys a series or something. I got to be honest, I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. And anybody who's even remotely banged up wouldn't even have an argument to play. Yeah, I want to see Darwin Thompson, and you know those are the guys I want to see out there. I think it's your just money, Chad Henney. Right, it's just insane to think that these guys are just going to suddenly forget how to play football. They're world class athletes. They're defending Super Bowl champions. If they, if they have an extra week off, they're just going to be like, "Oh man, I just wasn't ready to get back out here." It's going to take me a whole half to 
look, they've been playing. They just played uh, 15 damn games, and <laughs> half of those games they start slow and they're all discombobulated. So what do you think play, playing two more quarters against the Chargers team, who has nothing to play for except a cream Mahomes or light up Travis Kelsey, that's all they've got to play for. That game means nothing. Just practice. They can practice. I don't even want them to practice too hard because they can get hurt in practice. Just take it easy. Let those guys rest. Look, Neiman got hurt. Watkins is banged up. Schwartz has been out. You got injuries along the offensive line. Everybody's hurt, and they just played a whole NFL season. They won all their games. I think they can go out there with, with their backups and beat the Chargers. So that's what they should do. I don't care if they lose by 50 points. I don't care. Like that has look, I, I don't care. And anybody who's like, oh, well, you know, I really want to win 15 games. Who cares? Like, you know what? Nobody's going to give you, you know what? If they're in the playoffs, they're beating the hell out of some team. Like, geez, you know, if they just won 15 games, I would have enjoyed this a lot more. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah. I want them healthy. I don't want Mahomes playing in this game. I don't. I don't care about 5,000 yards. I don't care about, you know, 40 touchdowns. I don't care. I do not care. Uh, and I don't care if he cares, quite honestly. Like, it, it shouldn't matter. I know Kelsey might want to lead the league in receiving yards, and I respect that. But you know what? Like, it doesn't matter. They need to. They need to win the Super Bowl. That's the goal. I, uh, you know, I. To me, I'm not playing any of them for one snap. I'm not because it, it would not be the first time that a team has played in a game like this and they haven't had to. And I always think of, I always think of Wes Walker with the Pats. and he blew his knee out in Week 17 in Houston. It's some game they didn't even need, but Belichick wanted to play him. The crowd that wants to play in this game, can you imagine if they lost one of their major guys for the season? Like last year, they lost Juan Thornhill in week 17. Now they needed to play the game. I'm not, you know, that it's a different situation, but can you imagine if God forbid Mahomes got hurt or Kelsey or Hill or one of their big defensive stars because, because they just felt like getting to a bunch of statistical monuments? It'd be crazy. I, I'm sitting them all the way. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. A couple, like things just happen. Guys roll around on the ground into people's legs. We saw last year with a freak, and nobody ever gets hurt on a quarterback sneak. And it almost ended Mahomes' season. It's just not worth it. If you were coming into this season and you said, "Okay, like who are who are and the Chiefs have been pretty lucky with injuries this year. They've had their share like anybody else." But if you had to ask me before the season, who don't you want to get hurt? I would say, okay, Mahomes, Kelsey, Matthew, Jones. Clark, right? Like all those guys are out there. They're all playing. They're okay, right? Hill, Hill's got a Hill's got a hamstring. We talked on earlier this week about like you know hamstrings and wide receivers. Like you don't want to those things stick around. They're nagging. This is fantastic. You do not want to put Tyreek Hill out there with a bad hamstring when he was questionable going into this game. Let him rest. Get back to full strength. Do the mental reps. All that fun stuff. Do some walkthroughs, and get ready to run it back. Yeah. All right. Let's let, let's just uh, take a quick look at the AFC before we get out of here. So uh, you got the Chiefs. They have clinched number one seed. They are 14-1. and one. They are the one seed. Pittsburgh comes back today against the Colts. The Colts have them. Credit Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. They've got their veteran team. They clawed their way back into that game. They won it. And that kind of threw things into disarray. Things would look like they were starting to make sense. It looked like Baltimore was screwed. Um, and then the... the <laughs> The Bills are 11 and 3. Titans are playing right now. They're 10 and 4. The five seed are the Dolphins, who, as we said earlier, came back against the Raiders. And now you've got the Ravens. They're back in the playoff mix at 10 and 5. 
They have the tiebreaker over the Browns, who lost to the Jets today. Not great. Who are, who are also 10 of Now, to be fair to Cleveland, their entire receiving group was out of the game. Don't hey, pra- practice squad, guys. Still should have been able to beat the Jets, but Doesn't look, matter. give the Jets some credit, man. Give the no, Jets some credit. Never. They're playing hard at the end of the season. <laughs> the Bengals are playing hard to, to end the season. I'll tell you what, Baltimore not better not wash out with Cincinnati. You have, you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, my God. <laughs> They, they threw the ball way too many times Stop. in that game. Um, that is. What, what, how do you see this all shaking out for Durant after this week? I'll tell you who's really pissed at the way that Pittsburgh game shook out. Miami. Because if Pittsburgh had lost that game and the Bills had won, or the, the Bills won Monday night against New England and Gillette, the Bills would be locked into the two. The Bills would not have played hard next week. And guess who the Bills play at home? Miami. And if yep. Miami wins, they're, they're in. And I'll tell you, you know, we touched on the Dolphins-Raiders game at the beginning of the show. If I'm Brian Flores, I'd be playing Fitzpatrick in this game. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care. And I'll tell you, there are going to be a lot of pissed-off players in that locker room if they lose that game because two is out there throwing for three yards a clip. A lot of guys. You know anything about the NFL, okay, it's a bottom-line business. These guys have a short, finite career in the NFL – and if they lose this game because they're busy trying to develop a kid who, quite honestly, he's just looked outmatched early on in his career, people are going to go crazy in that locker room. Like, there's going to be a borderline revolt. And I give Flores credit for putting Fitzpatrick in at the end of these games, but, geez, you're, you're trying to pull these games out of the fire. Just play him. He's literally better. Play him. Um, but how do I think it goes? So, look, right now the Colts are the odd team out, okay? Now, we're doing this before right at the beginning of the uh, Sunday night football game between Green Bay and, and the Titans. We don't know how that's going. But let's just say the Packers win since they're home and they're favored. If the Titans lose both against the Packers and then next week against the Texans, uh, they're in danger of, of missing out. They need to win one game to get in the playoffs. Okay, The Colts need help. Everybody else win in. The Colts need help. They need to win and either have the Titans lose twice or they need to have the Browns lose. So that's where you're at. The Colts play Jacksonville. They're going to win. They, they, need, they need a little bit of help. I think Miami misses out. I think Miami loses to Buffalo because I think Buffalo is playing the best football in the NFL right now. Now, I picked the Chiefs to beat them in a one-off, but I think right now they're playing the best of any team in the league. I think the Bills are going to beat Miami. I think everybody else will find a way, uh, or even if Cleveland loses, they'll still get in via the tiebreaker. So um, I, I will take... I believe that's right anyway. Don't don't quote me. It's crazy right now. But I, Well, right now the Dolphins are the five. Correct. And so if the Browns lose to the Steelers and the Dolphins lose, I don't know how that might change the tiebreaker, but you would think that the Dolphins would still be in. So the, right now, real quickly, Miami's the five, Baltimore's the six, Cleveland's the seven. Again, let's just say Tennessee loses and, and the Bills went on Monday night. We'll just go with the, the favorites. Uh, so if the Bills were to win and the the Browns were to lose as well, let's just say Baltimore beats the Bengals, the Titans beat the Texans, the Colts beat the Jags. Uh, right, Miami, Miami's in. So Cleveland's got it. Cleveland would have to win. If Cleveland doesn't win, they could get in if, uh, if Indy were to somehow lose at home to Jacksonville or – if the Titans and the Colts, so they could get in if the Titans lost or the Colts lost or the or the Ravens uh, lost. I mean, it, you know, depending on some scenarios. But 
the Browns really need to win. They really need to win. They're probably going to need to win to get in. The Dolphins, the same thing. I think Baltimore will get in. Baltimore, I'm most confident about. Tennessee, I'm confident about. Uh, but, you know, the, I, I think I think Miami ends up missing out because I think Cleveland's going to play very, very hard against Pittsburgh. I don't know how motivated Pittsburgh is in that game. Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it all plays out. The Browns had it, man. They're playing the one in thirteen Jets, and they lost the game. It's a ridiculous loss. I don't care if they're without the receivers. I don't care. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and two tight ends, and one of which you're paying a bajillion dollars to win the game. Like, come on. I mean, the defense giving up 23 points to Jets. You kidding me? I I mean, get get off the field. It's an awful loss. I feel bad for everyone in Cleveland who has not made the playoffs in what since 2002, and they got to watch this crap show against the Jets. I I mean that that's just a, a brutal loss, and it's a reminder of why he's a G fan. As frustrated as we get with them sometimes, like, you know what the Chiefs don't do? Lose that game. They win. They win. They drive us crazy, but they win. Yeah, for a tortured fan base to see their team win 10 games before Christmas and then not make the playoffs at the hands after losing to a 1-13 team and then getting knocked out by their most hated rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, would just... I mean, it would be par for the course for Cleveland Browns fans, but just, yeah, it'd be pretty gut-wrenching to see. One last prediction from you, Verderam. Who did the Chiefs play in the divisional round? Who's it going to be? Oh, God. I have no idea, man. Uh, they get the lowest remaining seed. I, I'll just take a total step. Baltimore. Will be, uh, that would be an interesting one. I was kind of hoping Baltimore wouldn't make it in. Uh, they better watch out for Cincinnati, though. They'll probably kill them, but get credit, credit the Bengals. But they have no business winning football games right now, but they're finding a way to do it. It's true. All right, everybody, we're going to get out of here and let you get on with your evenings. We will be back later this week to preview this game against the meaningless game against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and we'll know a little bit more about the AFC playoffs by then as well. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave us those reviews over on Apple Podcasts, the written reviews. Leave a question. We'll answer it on the podcast next week. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. Follow lead expert over at Arrowhead Addict at Matt Connor AA. And of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict and make sure you're reading that website for all the fallout news and views on the Kansas City Chiefs. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.